0: Welcome to the search for real answers in a modern world, where challenging topics are met with honest and thoughtful dialogue. This is Truth Seekers 4. Forum. In this episode, we'll be exploring part three of a multi part series centered on the Apostles' Creed. I'm your host, Devin Cleffer, and joining me today is Pastor Andy Lewis of Faith Community Church in Santa Cruz, California, and Dr. Adam Nye, professor of systematic and historical theology at several undergraduate and graduate schools located throughout the Bay Area. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you. It's good Thank to have you here today. As a reminder for our listeners, we've got three basic ground rules that we play by each and every True Seekers Forum, and those are number one, nothing is off limits. Number two, you two do not know what questions I will be asking. And number three, disagreement and pushback is obviously welcome and encouraged. So we're in part three discussing the Apostles' Creed. And Andy, if you would, go ahead. And this, this next section of the Apostles' Creed deals primarily with Jesus Christ and I know, for the sake of time, we are not going to get through this entire section yeah. uh, during this particular episode. Yeah. But if you would just read this entire section for us, I'm going to read the whole part on on the person of Jesus. So we believe uh,
1: in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and then it continues, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified dead and buried the third day he arose from the dead he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of god the father almighty from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead today we're going to kind of mostly focus on in jesus christ his only son our lord who was conceived by the holy spirit and born of the virgin mary you're like really you can get 30 minutes in on that oh yeah mm-hmm. there's good stuff in there
0: limiting it to 30 minutes will yeah, be the challenge exactly. for this crew absolutely so, yeah. Yeah. So we talked a little bit last time about putting all the chips in the table. Mm-hmm. As, as the creed begins, I believe. And this section, depending on which version we're going with, is either and, a continuation of I believe or we believe. Or some actually repeat that I believe or we believe part of it. So getting into that, that we believe all of our chips are in the table. Mm-hmm. What is about to come next, we are saying that we are in agreeance with. So let's just start with the first part of this, that Jesus Christ is his only son, capital S. What's going on with that?
2: Yeah, well, here's son of where God. we, I mean, here's where we're really alone. Uh, the, the Christian faith, from, I mean, as we said last episode, when you just say the first line, "I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth," you're right. in good company right. with a few other religions at, you know, at a minimum. Um, we mentioned Judaism and Islam. You could throw into that, depending on how you divide religions, Mormonism and um, right. several others. Here is where we step out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and say something unique among the religions and say that that this god who is the maker of heaven and earth and stands above both heaven and earth has a son who has become incarnate within this very particular history and now you're naming people like this girl Mary and it's going to go on to name Pontius Pilate yeah. and after talking about a god who stands above all history. Now, boom, we're right down in it the middle of history. becomes
1: very enfleshed, which is what incarnate means. Right.
2: And we're saying that this is yeah. something central to who God is. Yeah. We're talking about, uh, yeah, they, that this God has one son. Hmm. I mean, that that is controversial on a number of fronts. Yeah. Um, and maybe we should just kind of start <laughs> picking yeah. through and, them. And I'm going to
0: back up just to, actually a little bit before that. Okay. Um, having taught at... A Christian high school for a number of years. I, I'm still shocked and horrified how many people think that Christ is Jesus' last name. Right. So, <laughs> I know. So sure. let's just kind of break yeah. that down. What yeah. when we see the the term that the name Jesus Christ, what is mm. what is that referring to?
2: This could take us a whole episode. <laughs> I mean one thing that's that's awesome about that and I, and maybe a lot of our readers don't know is that this is even just the jesus part is not a unique unique name hmm, this right. is not a new name that god thought up to give the one son he's going to have this in in some sense this is like saying um in in god's one son the jew that came mm. at this particular time in their history because he's named after a huge hi- a hero of Jewish history mm. who we call Joshua. Right. It's the same name. And a lot of modern Christians maybe don't know that. Mm. That when uh, when Jesus' friends called him Yeshua, they're saying the same name that they say when they read the Old Testament story about the guy we call Joshua. It's right. also Yeshua. So that's his name. And he's uh, he's in this family with a bunch of other common Jewish names of the time. Mm. Yeah, um, that's why you see so many Marys in the New Testament. It's hard oh, yeah. to differentiate them. Yeah. they they have that's a common name. Right, there's a bunch of them. Right,
1: and there was that's the scandal of it because he was Yeshua of Nazareth. Mm-hmm. What? And one of the disciples himself said, "Is any good thing come out of <laughs> right. Nazareth?" Right, that's like, not really? the
2: prestigious part of Israel. Absolutely, right. not,
1: it was not. Yeah. You know? So, but the but the last name that people think of as Christ is. Uh, Christo, I think that's the Greek, right? For, for for Messiah, mm-hmm. the promised one. Okay, so. so that's
2: a that's an important term within right. Judaism as well. Yeah, that uh, yeah, it's it's the English rendering of the Greek word Christos, which mm-hmm. is a translation of the word in uh, in Hebrew, which is uh, gosh, Messiah is like a transliteration, right? In Hebrew, it's pretty yeah, close, Mashiach, Mashiach, Messiah. Right. Yeah, so. Uh, and what that means, I think most straightforwardly translated is anointed one. Yeah. And it's one, again, it's a, it's a word not uniquely attributed to Christ. That mm. word is used in the Old Testament to talk about David okay. uh, and kings. other, yeah. yeah, anointed kings that have been, you know, designated sort of by God's hand. God says, this is the king who will save my people. They've okay. And anointed by God. That's what Messiah or Christ means.
0: Okay. So it refers to a title. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. So... And in Jesus Christ, his only son, we've, we've kind of touched on that. Is there anything else that we want to bring up when it comes to that specific part of this creed?
2: Yes, the only son part I think we should talk okay, about. Okay,
0: then let's go into that. Go ahead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you get excited. I wish people could see you light up Dude, when I said get... that, so go.
2: Keep well, going. because here's something <laughs> I think is really exciting. I think we most Christians rightly think it, it will say, I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. Hmm. So what is this creed talking about when it says the only son? Yeah. How do we kind of get our handle uh, handle on that? Or I think even uh, non-Christians, a lot of them, I have friends and family members who are very comfortable with the the phrase son of God, daughter of God, applied directly to themselves. Mm -hmm. So this would be especially scandalous to them Mm -hmm. because they think of child of God in in the modern terms. We tend to think of uh, child of God as just a phrase to talk about being a human. Sure. Where in the ancient world, it was all, it, it had a certain amount of usage, hmm. but it tended to be applied to emperors and kings. They were like – and usually they had right. a narrated past where like they were descended from some god on high. Right. And right. this creed comes in and says, nope, there is one, one unique son of God, and that is this man, Jesus Christ.
1: Which is – that's what this language is referring to. is yeah, that, that he is, is, is the is king in, of kings. He is the king of kings, the one descended from
0: the king, king, king right so so and, and right then here the Lord too yeah go I was ahead. just gonna go yeah. add into that so in addition to saying his only son right his referring to the the previous passage of God the Father Almighty our Lord collectively yeah. so talk a little bit about what that is I know that for some folks may already know but we've got the term Lord capital L rest of its lowercase and then we have all caps Lord so Specifically, what is this referring to and what are the differences between those two types of Lord that we see?
1: I mean, you know, you have a choice and we talked about this in the last episode to live your life based on my project, on my life, done on my way and my terms. Mm-hmm. Or this thing is pre- representing a whole other thing, which is that and you're, you're the capital L Lord mm-hmm. of your life. Versus, oh, this one who's come as king of kings is actually the Lord of not only everybody, but me too, mm-hmm. including me. And that's what this thing is referring to.
2: But it, well, and there's also the interesting thing. You're talking about the capitalization issue. Right. Which reaches back to um, Hebrew custom of uh, a couple of Hebrew words. Uh, English translates straightforwardly. Uh, we use the word Lord to translate the Hebrew word Adonai. Mm-hmm. Um but it also and, – and when it is so, it will be capitalized with an L. But you'll see in some uh, English – most English translations, I think, you'll see sometimes where it's all capitalized. Right, Lord. right. That's translating the Hebrew word Yahweh. Yeah. Which uh, in Hebrew culture, they just didn't feel like you could say. When hmm. they would see it written, it, they would say out loud, Adonai. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the English translators have tried to capture, well, these are two different words – but we want to hold on to that reverential custom of yeah. not, uh, you know, profaning the name Yahweh. So they translate it all caps, L O R D. Now your question: Which one is being applied to Christ in this context? It's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, number one, the it, it's not being given in in Hebrew, and I know the original one is not. And Jesus Christ, you know, God's only Son, are Yahweh. Right. But it, I think that the the main thrust of it is what Andy said: that we yeah. are saying. This guy's not just really impressive. We we yield our lives. Yeah. We we stand under the lordship of this God. And I think that has both senses of the of the human dignity of a king hmm. and then the divine dignity that this Jesus uniquely holds. Hmm. And that to me is the significance of the one. Because yeah. I mean, you wouldn't say God had one son if you only meant that like this guy's a king. There's lots of kings.
1: Right. But right. But the
2: oneness here is that well, no, God has God has a son in a very different and special way in Mm. this one instance. Yeah. And I mean, this creed doesn't fully spell that out, that the the significance is to say that this one actually is of the same being as God, Mm. that this one son is not just the one chosen by God and sent by God, but actually is in this very special way that no other religion even kind of understands what we mean by yeah. He actually is God himself, though he is not the father. Hmm. And we're not polytheists. We believe in, we already said, we believe in one God. Right. But now we believe in that God as father and we believe in that God as son. The Nicene Creed takes a long, it takes pains to really spell this out and go through what it means that Jesus was God before he was human. But I think it's kind of interesting that in the Apostles' Mm -hmm. Creed, it just goes right into that guy who was born of the Virgin Mary. He is God's one and only son.
0: And he's Lord. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so as we go a little further down the path, uh, referring to Jesus, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, mm. so is there any mystery in the word conceived there? Is there anything that we're missing in our English uh, translation of that?
1: Not that I'm aware of. I mean, I think it's, again, getting back into the very mysterious earthiness of God in okay. the incarnation. Okay. That yeah God made it happen that a young girl who was thirteen fourteen probably within her culture mm-hmm. conceived mm-hmm. and had a child without without having had any relations with a man and that is a part of how Jesus became incarnated, and that is a really important part of our of what we believe about who jesus is and and how he came became flesh
2: there there is a um there's a little ambiguity in the phrase that the early church did spend a lot of controversy over is, is yeah. was, was there only the father in eternity? And then when, when Mary, the Virgin conceived, is that when the son came into being? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you definitely, it would be really easy to read this creed that way. Yeah. Uh, it, the most straightforward way of reading it would probably suggest that, that this only son of God w- came into being when he was conceived within the womb of Mary. Mm-hmm. And that's why – that's one of the reasons why the uh, Nicene Creed gets much more specific about the preexistence of the son before his human conception. Yeah, right. But it then still goes on to use the same language, that, mm-hmm. he, that he was in the womb of Mary uh, made human. He, he took on human life and, and was conceived as we all are in our mother's womb. But where we are conceived in our mother's womb by the seed of our father – This is saying, no, the Holy Spirit does this unique act in bringing this human life into existence in the womb of Mary without the action of a human father.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so you have this – this is where the stuff begins to become much more scandalous, Mm -hmm. you know, of how this thing stands alone. It is so unique and really is important to be grappled with because you're like, really? Like God would – and flesh himself. And I mean, you just think through what that means to be human. You know, you get Mm -hmm. thirsty. He is an infant, was completely dependent upon a family system and a 13 or 14-year-old young lady to take care of him and make sure he didn't get dropped and was swaddled and was warm and was Mm -hmm. fed and and then grew up and understood temptation, which Mm -hmm. the Gospels talk about, and understood all the things that we're going to go through and the rest of this. Like that's that's you know we don't think about it enough. I mean that is absolutely scandalous right. for what we would think of as how God would think to function if we were God. Right. Right. And yet we're not, thankfully. And this is how God has chosen to function.
2: Yeah. The my I don't know if, I don't know if I've mentioned him before, but my one of my favorite theologians, Carl uh, he talks about this as. The scandalous humanity of God. Yeah, that's a great. Yeah, that God has taken Is that our one of human his terms. Ex- yeah, yeah, I he, like that. He takes the you know our experience of being human, human with all its limitation, and brings it into the mm. life of God. Yeah. Binds God's life to wow. it, yeah. so that God experiences that. And for a lot of religious and spiritual thinking, that's a straightforward impossibility. Mm. Yeah. God and creation are two opposites. Mm. You can't cre- creation can't become God. God can't become creation. But it's actually the groundwork laid by the first article of the creed and right. saying that God, no, God is a creator of heaven and earth. So he has absolute freedom to step out of heaven and come to earth. He's Lord of the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, so God can and actually has done this, taken on our humanity and brought it into his own life. No. And what's
1: interesting too about the scandal of it, I remember reading. It was probably about eight years ago. There was an interview in Time Magazine with Sir Richard Dawkins, who's one of the leading. He's a funny guy. He's he's hysterical. To listen to, <laughs> really smart guy. But he's a leading voice of atheism, right? Uh, alongside of I forget the gentleman's name. He's a Christian. He was the leader of mapping out the the genetic the genome oh, project, yeah. hmm. um, and he's he's a Christian who was a probably would identify himself as a theistic evolutionist. Mm -hmm. But in the end of the interview, they were kind of, you know, talking. And at the end, I loved how Richard Dawkins was so honest because he basically – he just said, I'm not saying that at the end of it all that we will find something glorious and amazing and beyond our capacity to understand. So there's almost even within an atheist mind this right. this, this openness to the sense of wonder because you can't you can't have a mind not open to wonder and be intellectually honest. Right. Where but where he does go is he says, I'm just saying I can't deal with something as parochial hmm. Hmm. as as God becoming human right? and hmm. all that kind of stuff. And I'm like That's brilliant because basically he is dealing with what we're talking about here. That is scandalous. Like if I were to invent a God, if I were God, I wouldn't do that. Right. Right. I'd be like, you're ants. I'll squish you or I'll bless you based on what I'm feeling today. Right. Well, that's not what's being described in this creed.
2: Well, especially the, the, I mean, we haven't gone into his experience of suffering and brokenness on the cross. Right, absolutely. But that's a huge part of the scandal because, I mean, if you look at, uh, some of the major Eastern religions, yeah. they're they're kind of okay with their gods appearing as human, but they're superhumans. They, right. they, it, well,
1: Greek mythology and Roman mythology had some similarities too. They have similar too. things. Yeah, yeah. I'm
2: thinking specifically with uh, within Hinduism of okay. the avatars, yes. of like Vishnu coming in the form of Krishna, and then Krishna is this like super human. Um, like you read the stories, they're, they're, it's like a comic book. They're super entertaining Superman, yeah. because you just can't hurt him yeah. because he's taken on human appearance, but not human frailty, Yeah. Mm. not human weakness. Yeah. That is the specific scandal yeah. of the Christian doctrine of the incarnation yeah. that God comes all, he doesn't just come down to look like us. He comes down to experience mm-hmm. on our behalf, the lowest of our, of our. And the
1: further we get into yeah. the sentence, not only, but, but in it's, for us. Yeah. He does all this for us. Right.
0: Yeah. So I want to go a little further down the path. And yeah. so in, in our next line here, born of the Virgin Mary, in, in the, both of the uh, renditions I've got here, virgin is the V is capitalized. Mm-hmm. Is that significant? That's a great question. That's a good question. I don't really know. I mean,
2: it's kind of, the, it's, it's kind of become her name. Yeah. Right? I mean, like okay. she, yeah. I mean, I was thinking of the different ways because there's there's controversies around this on a couple of different fronts. And that's a, a good place to start, sort of within the specific veneration yeah. she receives in certain traditions within the church, right. Roman Catholicism especially, right. that she has this elevated title as the virgin, right. Mary, the virgin mother. Right. Um, Catholics will speak of her as like our mother right? Uh, because she gave birth to Christ and we have been incorporated into Christ. Right. She then is our mother too. So, yeah, her place within. And in that tradition, creed, there's
1: yeah. praying to Mary yeah. to try to, like, bend the ear of Jesus kind of thing. Right. Um, you know, and I, I you know, I, I don't think that that is warranted. But I, but, I, but I do think that having it in here is good for some of us who happy Protestants who are trying to get away from all that to yeah. recognize and appreciate right. this young lady who was so blessed of God to carry into, into this world Jesus right. and then to raise him. Yeah, Um, and to love him and to teach him, you know, I mean, she is she is worthy of, of an appropriate form of veneration.
2: I I want to say because of God's unique choosing of her, absolutely, and and His. I mean, the New Testament says that she was, um, yeah, God favored her, Mm -hmm. and uh, because of the rift between Protestant and Protestantism and Catholicism, there has been kind of a cranky, yeah. Uh, unwillingness for Protestants to say anything special right. about Mary, because if you do, it sounds like, "Oh, you're being papal." You're right. Being it's like, oh, come on." Totally. I yeah. mean, she she, uh, she is blessed among women. Yeah. Um, the early church called her Theotokos, Mother of God, mm. which was a, a controversy in and of itself. It like, sure. Is that proper to say? Right. Uh, um, and I think uh, the now I think the the mainstream of the early church after some controversy, decided, well, we have to be able to say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that she has any power over God. Right. We have to absolutely say that's not true. Right. And she didn't earn uh, God, the ability to carry God. She didn't have that ability in herself, but God had the ability to become man. And the baby in her womb was God. Right. So we have to be able to say it, yeah. that she bore the Son of God. She bore God. That's right. Uh, and, and gave birth to
1: And them. so for the listeners, again, the more you start thinking about this, the more you go, yes, this is a scandal. It's
2: yes. a
0: scandal in the
2: universe. <laughs> totally it is.
0: Well, I want to continue this scandal because yes. with a very quick search on the interwebs um, <laughs> or, or watching um, – and I forget the title of it right now. But there's a documentary that was done a couple years ago on the History Channel. Um, the term virgin. Yes. Right. You probably know where I'm going with this. Yes. It has – any one of a number of meanings, which could mean never slept with a man. It could also mean just never married, never with a man in, in, in the sense of having not been married. Right. So which is it here?
2: Well, I'll go. If yeah. I mean, no,
1: I mean, it's unquestionably. It's like she, think- <laughs> she was a virgin in the biological sense that she had never had relations.
2: And the reason that becomes yeah. so obvious is because the the only way to make the argument is just to pull the term by itself virgin and show how it can have these different meanings. Mm-hmm. But we understand what a me- what a word actually means in its usage within its context and how we see it used. And it's true that within the Old Testament prophecies talking about, you know, a virgin will be with child. I do think it's legitimate to be if you're in that context reading, you know, Isaiah when that's said, to have a certain amount of openness about the way that might be fulfilled, mm-hmm. but <laughs> when As it, it is fulfilled, was fulfilled. Well, the yeah. way it was fulfilled, yeah. you do see, like when I mean, linguistically within the within the texts where it's talked about, there's awe and wonder at it. Yeah, there's like, holy cow, right? Uh, a, a virgin gave birth. Th- there is the scandal of of Joseph's marriage with Mary, right? That like. That's all really clearly narrated that like, what are people going to think if you have a baby and we're supposed to get married and all that drama doesn't make any sense if the word just meant she wasn't married yet. Yeah, exactly.
0: So as we get close to landing the plane on this episode, I want to go to this. And that is, you know, both of these episodes have started off with talking about the, the I believe part and, and, and you've brought up uh, a few times on this particular episode that, that the scandal of this whole thing, I mean, it's, it's very Hollywood esque, yeah, in, in its creativity, right? Yeah, and so how do we find a place where we can actually say, "I believe," and not just, "I believe,"
1: right? Right. I, I mean, for me, what I'll say is this: is that to me, the further I go in my faith, and the more I really understand the scandal of it, to me, the more it becomes believable because. If it was a religion that's largely concocted by a bunch of human beings creating a god, uh, you don't get this. Hmm. This this is not what anybody who is totally human would mm-hmm. invent. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no way, which is always to me as a pastor one of the funniest Arguments against Christianity oh, is all made up, like if you really actually understand <laughs> n- n- there was there was no human involvement in making this up who yeah. would make this up no human yeah. involvement it's Greek mythology and Roman mythology and all the other ancient deities interplaying in wars and chaos and i right. 'm going to use my power against you that's human. Hmm. This is this is not human and to me as a as a human being and also as a pastor the more you get into this the more you go it is actually the scandal and the mystery of it hmm. that increasingly becomes a thing like this had this this is alien. Yeah. This only could have come from an alien source
0: namely God.
2: Hmm.
0: So to believe isn't necessarily to fully understand.
2: Yeah. Or, or to find believing easy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean right. yeah because I mean if the question is it's – it's the right question. Why would this – believing this set of things have any power to, like, hmm. change someone's life for the better? Hmm. I think that actually is a really important question. Yeah. And I don't necessarily have an answer for it. I just have lives surrounding me that clearly have been transformed yeah. for the better. By Including our own into this story. around this table. Totally. Right. Can I keep the plane from landing for one second? You can. I think there's a controversy. We're running maybe. low on fuel, but go I ahead. Did. Well, there's a controversy we haven't hit. that I think is important in this, which is the the question of whether this confession of faith about Jesus being born of the Virgin Mary, Mm -hmm. whether there's an implicit uh, implicit anti sex
0: Hmm.
2: message in that interesting that that God could come down and get involved in humanity, but it couldn't be with anybody who had had sex. So clearly we have to have a negative view of sexuality Hmm. and the people who image this story best are are monks and nuns who refrain from ever having sex. Hmm. And there has been that line of interpretation of this throughout history. I think you're just trying to get that, more
1: listenership on the
0: podcast.
2: That's right. Because can can I say sex, sex a few more so times? You yeah. let's Put Hashtag that on the, on the front
0: sex. page of the website.
2: <laughs> <laughs> See if we can get that trending. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I think we probably, we probably don't have to spend a ton of time addressing that. Sure. But I think it probably has to be thrown out there because yeah. I, I hear that particularly from Within the Santa Cruz feminist tradition, who I I deeply respect the the people who Mm -hmm. bring it up, but is there an anti-sex message in this, Andy?
1: No, because, I mean, you know, you really, you read through scriptures, you find out God, I mean, first of all, you know, from us as believer, God, right? Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, that would include sexuality. (laughs) Right. So God included sexuality. God's the inventor of it. He is pro-it, and that gets into a whole other discussion about he, he's into its finest version of itself mm-hmm. and not the lower versions of right. itself. Um, so, yeah, no, this is not a diatribe against sex.
2: Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think within the, the idea that Mary was a virgin, I think that's important because I do think it's pretty clear that God wanted to do a miracle. Yeah. So her virginity stands as the backdrop to like, holy cow, God's doing – this is something that normally doesn't happen. Yeah. But I don't think that that then becomes a judgment on what does normally happen. Yeah. When people are born by normal reproduction, it doesn't make that if I Is unholy. it right to say
1: yeah. that theologically that this was the alchemy? This was the way God combined the possibility of having God, deity, become enfleshed. And it required these components of God mysteriously through the Holy Spirit helping a woman conceive.
2: Mm. Yeah. So that it, it kind of clearly marks out God the Father as the Father. Yep. Of Jesus Christ. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to, to kind of have theological moderation in how necessary it is that, that Mary be a virgin in order to, to bear Jesus. I, I, I get uncomfortable when people do go so far as to say, well, she had to be pure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, well, God wanted to do a miracle well, here.
1: She was human. Uh, Right. A real human being. Exactly. Yeah.
2: That Jesus is Mary's Lord. She and, uh, he is Mary's savior.
1: Absolutely. That yeah. uh
2: her, her purity her virginity is not her like full righteous purity. Yeah. It is the background behind a miracle. Right. And I think it's as far as I want to take the necessity of her virginity.
0: Yeah. Well, that's going to conclude this episode of Truth Seekers Forum. We end this episode with hashtag monk sex. That's it. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Truth Seekers Forum. Truth Seekers Forum is a production of Faith Community Church in Santa Cruz, California. To learn more about Truth Seekers Forum or Faith Community Church, please visit us at santacruzfaith.org.